How you guys doing today? I'm really loud, so you, if you want to turn me down, you can. I have like a booming voice. It's deep. It's majestic. Um, several years ago, I got prophesied over that I was going to be like this guy in the Bible named Stephen. And I was prophesied over at, at this like, I think it was like an event that we were having at our church at the time, and I was young. And he prophesied over me, you're going to be like Stephen, and uh, it's going to be powerful. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. I've never even heard of this guy. I don't, he's like, literally, I looked him up. He is in like three chapters of the Bible very shortly, and it doesn't give a lot of description about this guy. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this means. So I started, I started looking into it. I started diving into it. And I went to a school out in Redding, California called Bethel. I went there for four years, and Jesus changed my life, and it was radical. And I went up to Bill Johnson, and I said, Bill, who is Stephen? Like what, like, what did he do? Like, what, tell me something. Like, give me some revelation. Like, you're Bill Johnson. You have to know something about this. And he's like, Stephen, um, he was full of wisdom and power. And I was like, Bill, I read that. I know that. It's literally, that's like the only thing it says about him. And he was like, he's like, well, Stephen did something amazing. Stephen actually started a movement. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, when Stephen was martyred, when he was killed, he looked up to heaven and Jesus stood. And it's, I believe it's the only time recorded where Jesus stood at the right hand. And he, he welcomed him into his kingdom. And from that moment on, it started the movement of Christianity, like, sweeping that area. Because people started rising up saying, that's not okay. Something needs to change. And it actually created this catalytic movement through his death. So Bill, Bill uh, was like, he started something, and I, I was like, that, it just blew me away. And I was like, wow, this word that was given to me that I had no idea what it meant, I am so glad that I looked into this, that I actually studied it, and then I found out, and this is a word I've kept with me for years and years. And I'm like, God, I just thank you for this movement that's coming. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing. And the reason I bring that up today is because I've asked four of our students, the four that I asked you guys can come up here, I asked four of our students to give a prophetic word tonight. Literally, t I told them tonight, come on, cheer them up as they come up. These, these four amazing revivalists. I asked them to come and give a word tonight because at base camp, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he said, go out and prophesy. He said, go out and see signs, wonders, and miracles. See things change in people's lives. He gave us this call. And at, at base camp, we want to see our, our young adults, these revivalists that are being raised here. We want to see them go out and change people's lives. And this is a safe place. Amen. Come on. All right. This is Emma. She's going to give a word. I'm putting you on the spot. Come on. It's going to be good. I'm not really sure who this is for yet, but, oh, it's you in the blue shirt. Yeah. You can stand up if you want. You can sit down. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Do whatever. <laughs> um, so you know that, like, that smell, like, when your mom makes, like, roast beef in the crock pot, right? And it, like, makes the whole house, like, smell so good. And then, like, everyone's, like, Okay, I want some roast beef. And so they go downstairs and they like, are like so attracted to like this crock pot. Um, and I see you and like Jesus is inside of you and people are so attracted to it. And I see your table and people are just around and you're feeding these people at your table and showing them the love of God that you have inside of you. And it, they're so attracted to it. They can smell it from like miles away. They can see it just on you. Um, and so that's what I got. <laughs> Where's Jason? Is he in here? Where's he? Right there. I have a word for you, man. Okay. So, <laughs> you can, yeah, you can stand up if you want to. Um, 
So basically, because when Jordan told me I was doing this, I was like, okay, God, who do you want this word to be for? And your name came to my mind. So um, you don't always feel like you're special, but you are. Like God has this amazing calling and destiny on your life that you don't even know is there yet. So like people are going to start calling that out in you. Be like, dude, you're meant to do this. You're meant to do this. This is what God has called you to do. And all you have to do is receive it because God has such amazing plans for your life. Don't let anybody tell you any different because you're amazing and you're a king in his kingdom. Okay, cool. The word I got was kind of for everybody all around. And uh, first I'm going to start out with a verse and it says, it's Genesis 33, uh, 5. And it says, then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are those with you, he asked Jacob. Jacob answered, they're the children God has graciously given his servant. Um, so, yeah, what I'm really kind of trying to drive for is, like, God is calling all of you guys to lead just one per Like, 7.3 billion people on the earth, one is nothing. But God says he'll go after the one. And he wants you to go after the one. And so that's, that's what I'm really trying to drive for. And it's like, trust God is my main thing. So it's like, you can't be fearful. God casts out fear. You can't be angry. God gives you joy. So that's, that's what I want to give you guys. If you can do that, you can trust God. Sweet. So mine is actually for you, sir, right there in the Under Armour shirt in the back. Yes. Yes, you. Um, so mine was very specifically for you. Um, and I kind of had a hard time with it at first, kind of just getting the word. But when I really kind of relaxed and I kind of said, God, this is you speaking, not me. Um, and what he told, told me to tell you was is that he sees the mountain in your life and there was this picture of you with a little tiny shovel just digging away at this mountain every single day. And I don't know if that mountain is, is a mountain of, if it's, if it's, it's an emotional problem, if it's, a, if it's a physical problem, but it's a mountain in your life. And God's kind of sitting back and he's saying, why are you picking away piece by piece of this mountain? If I made the mountains, I can move them. And he was saying that that was specifically for you and that your mountain in life, may whatever it may be, is that he wants to take it from you and he wants to, to take the burden of that away from you and that you don't have to do it on your own. Come on. Thank you, guys. Awesome. All right. If you received a prophetic word tonight, which all of you did because there wasn't everyone, if you received a prophetic word, I highly encourage you to write it down. Um, even if it doesn't feel like it's necessarily a direction or that it has crazy depth, I, I encourage you to write it down because prophetic words come up in seasons in our life. And they are incredibly important to seeing the direction God is taking us. And when we, when we bring those back to memory, it actually changes the season. It changes the way that we can go about it. So I just encourage you guys to do that. Um, awesome. You guys doing okay? All right, like, like he said, uh, my name's Jordan, I'm the son of Jeff and Jenny, and my dad, yes, give them a shout, love those guys. If you uh, have ever heard my dad speak up here, uh, he likes to cry, and uh, back, at, back in the past, he was known as the crying preacher, and, and uh, I kind of got those genes, thanks dad. And uh, so I'm going to try to get through this without, without crying, but they are great genes. Um, I, I am crazy in love with Jesus. And I am crazy in love with this man that, that gave everything for me. And I firmly believe that if you 
press in tonight if you actually choose to fully engage, not with just my message because it's me sharing it. It's not about that. It's about the fact that God has given me something tonight that I really believe is a key, a key to actually living an incredibly successful life, a key to actually living in the fullness of joy, a key to actually being able to conquer any mountain that comes your way. I believe that this is an incredibly powerful key that you might have been told before, but it is incredibly missed in this culture, it's incredibly missed in Christianity, and it is, it is a burning passion of mine to see this come back in individuals' lives, and then when we come together as a whole, this changes everything, all right? So you guys ready? <laughs> you know we're a tight-knit group when I'm sitting down there and Zach says, I'm going to drink your water. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm going to drink. I was like, okay, Zach. So I uh, love this guy. I'm incredibly blessed to be here. Um, they, they offered me a position, and they offered me being able to come and be a part of this team and this crew, and, and I am incredibly blessed. If you have not seen change in, in your student, you're not looking hard enough because these people are on fire. I love our group. Come on, let's give a shout for Base Camp. You guys rock my world. I love these guys. Um, all right. So recently, me and my wife have been going through something. She couldn't be here tonight. She's unfortunately come down with the flu. No, we're speaking against that. She's coming down with the flu, and she really wanted to be here tonight. But recently, we started going after something together. And tonight, it's a, it's a little bit vulnerable for me. I'm not going to go into details. But recently, there's been something very hard that's come up in our relationship. And we, we're five months in. And as all the married people know, the first year, usually, you, you smooth out some edges. And you figure out how to live life together with a person and everything. And it's, and it's amazing, and it is beautiful. But it takes effort. And it takes time, and it takes intentionality. All the married people said amen. amen. So with this, all my students are like, I'm not even married. Yeah, I know. Um, so with this, with this time and with this effort, things are coming out in my life that I'm like, man, uh, we need to deal with some issues. We need to talk about some stuff that might be really difficult, that might be really hard. And so as these things are coming up and as these heart issues and this heart surgery that we're going through, it's like, ah, oh, this is not fun, God. I don't, I don't enjoy doing this, but it's necessary. And as we're going through this, I have this moment where I'm in, I'm in the bathroom with my wife and we're just looking at each other and, and we're crying because we're going through something difficult. And she looks at me and she says, we should see what God says about this situation. We should see what God wants to do. And I was like, you are brilliant and I love you. So I, I pull out the Bible and I was like, okay, God, what are, you, what are you saying about this really incredibly hard situation? Like, what are you saying about this? And he said, I, I want you to open up to Psalms 91. And Psalms 91 is a very popular verse. It's a very powerful verse. And my mom actually had us memorize it as kids because it's like taking authority over the enemy and it's protection and it's safety. And it's finding yourself in this place where the enemy can try to throw something at you, but it's not going to work. Because you're in the secret place. That you're covered. So I open up, I open up the scripture, which I've read a thousand times, a billion times. And uh, I was like, okay, God, what are you saying about this? And the first line of it, in Psalms 91, the first verse, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I've read this verse so many times. And God wanted me to bring this out because he wanted to highlight something so significant, so powerful that it actually changed the way I saw it entirely. When I look at this verse, I, I usually read, I'm like, I'm in the secret place, and, and I'm under his shadow, and he's got me, and he's protecting me. 
But the thing that stuck out to me the most, the first time it ever has in this way, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow. In order to actually become abiding, and actually to get into a state of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, to be in that secret place, he is not asking that we come and visit. He is asking that we actually dwell. And my verse tonight, or my, my message tonight, what I titled it is, Dwelling Versus Visiting. What it looks like to actually dwell in the midst of God, in his presence, rather than visiting. Because what I have found in my life, and maybe it's just me, but in my life I find that in times of crisis, and in times of difficulty, in times of desperation, I go to the Lord saying, God, please help me. I can't do this alone. I'm dying. I'm not going to make it. I'm coming to see you face to face. I need you to show up. God, come. And I come to him in this time of crisis. I say, I need something from you because you're God and you're my father. And I know that you can do this. And, and I'm coming before you, right? I'm coming before you. I need to be in the secret place. I need to be under your shadow. And God does not reject us. He's not going to say no. But he is not looking for, for people that can only come to him in times of crisis. He's looking for people, for sons and daughters that are willing to stay and to dwell in his presence and never leave. The word dwell in Hebrew is yeshab. It means to inhabit, to stay, and to remain. It occurs over a thousand times in the Bible. It is a very important word. To inhabit, to stay, and to remain. A lot of things come up in life as I am learning in this first five months of marriage. A lot of things come up. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm working two jobs and we have an apartment and all these things are happening and life is happening. And in the busyness of life, it is so easy for me to take a step back and do life rather than to dwell with God. It is so easy for me to get caught up in bills. Ah, oh, there are so many of those. It is easy for me to get caught up in bills. It's easy for me to be caught up in a 60-hour to 70-hour work week. It's easy for me to be caught up in the circumstances of life and to actually never spend time with God. It's actually easy for me to go an entire 24-hour period and not say one thing to him. But guys, I'm telling you right now, that is not dwelling. That is not in a state of remaining. That is not inhabiting. That is not coming to him to a day-to-day -day basis saying, God, what are you doing today? What do you think? What do you think about my situation? What do you think about this hard time? And as soon as I read that verse, me and my wife just began to cry even more. And she looked at me. And she said, babe, let's learn to dwell together. Let's learn not to just to visit the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's not just go throughout the rest of our lives not doing the thing that God has asked us to do. Let's learn to dwell. And I'm telling you tonight, guys, dwelling is not an arrival. It's not a destination. It's not like you just become there. There's no there. It is an everyday process of learning to stay with his presence Learning to go deeper and further with him. To inhabit his presence. It's an everyday thing. There's a couple people that demonstrated this really well for me in the Bible. David was one of these people 
Solomon was one of these people, and Jesus displayed this so beautifully. David had this prophetic word over his life. He was told he was going to be king. He was told all of these different things, and he was like, okay, he's the youngest son, and he was picked out. And you guys have heard the story of David many times, but I want you to look at something real quick. When David was out tending his sheep, he had the story of the lion and the bear. You guys have heard this, yes. Okay, good, you've been to church. The story of the lion and the bear. And they're, the lion and the bear are coming after his sheep, and he ends up beating these, the lion and the bear. He ends up destroying them, and, and they can't take his sheep, and he stands against them. He has this prophetic word over his life, and he is just learning to spend time with God and to learn about God out in his fields. He's learning to do these things as time is going by. And this confrontation comes, these lions bear, and he ends up standing against them and winning. After this takes place, he's called down to the battlefield to deliver supplies to his brothers. And in 1 Samuel, it talks about how he, he ends up showing up to this battlefield with the Philistines. And when he arrives, he sees that Goliath is standing against everyone, and he is saying, he is mocking God, and he is mocking these people. And he's saying, who can stand against me? I'm Goliath. Nobody can stop me, basically. You cannot stand against me. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, it says, And Dan, uh, David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills his Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? For he is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now, a man that can come who is not of great stature, who has not done much with his life, a man that can come and say, who can defy the armies of the living God, is not a man that doesn't know who God is. He's not a man that hasn't spent time in the presence of God. This is the man who actually has spent time dwelling in the presence of God to where he can look at a giant and say, I don't care if you're 17 feet tall, I don't care how many people you've slain, who can defy the armies of the living God? He knows who God is. He has spent time with him. We pick up in the next verse. It says, then Saul said to him, you can't do this. He says that he is a man of war. He's been in war his entire life since he is a teenager, and you've never been in war. He says, you can't do this. It's not possible. And this is David's response. And this is how you know that David is a man that actually knows God and trusts him. And in verse 37, it says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. When you spend time in the presence of God, you actually learn who he is. You learn how to trust in him. And it might not be against an army or against someone that is trying to kill you physically, but there is times where we need to trust in him for finances. Somebody say Amen. There's times where we need to trust him, for, for most of you, with kids. I don't personally have any yet, but you need to trust him with your kids. There's times where teenagers, you guys need to trust him that school is going to be okay, that it's not going to kill you. We've been there. I've been there. There's times where peer pressure is insane, and you need to know that you can trust in your father, that he's actually going to take care of you. But you can only know that by spending time with him and dwelling in his presence. Because out of that place, you can say no to the lies of the enemy, to the attacks of the enemy. And you can say, who can defy my God? Who can defy my king? 
And that's how you actually get to know him. Solomon is another man that displayed this really well for me. Solomon, David's son, has this incredible divine moment. He has this moment where God comes and visits him in a dream. And he says, ask anything of me and I'll give it to you. This incredible moment that has never happened since and I don't know if it ever will. And Solomon responds and he says these exact words. He says, I do not know how to come in and to go out. And I do not know how to judge your holy people and how to bring justice. These are the things I ask of you. How to go in and how to come out. And it was preached to me at Bethel by Chris Valentin, men that have done incredible studies, theologians that have actually looked into greater depth about this verse. And when he is talking about going in and coming out, he is actually referencing the presence of God. He's saying, I don't know how to go in and to come out of your presence like my father did. I don't know how to do that, and I don't know how to judge your people. And God responded, and he said, because you did not ask for money, because you did not ask for the heads of your enemy, because you did not ask for long life, everything will be given to you, because he simply asked, I need to know how to come into your presence, how to commune with you, how to talk with you, and how to come back out and judge your people. Solomon was the wisest man that has ever lived. And he simply asked God, I need to know how to come into your presence and how to leave. Jesus displayed this for us so many times. Jesus displayed this in the way of when he would go out and perform signs, wonders, and miracles, he would go out and teach and preach. He would leave that place and he would go up on a mountain and say, I need to commune with my father. Jesus would actually show us, he showed us a map of how not to fail in life and burn out and go through it not knowing the best plan or the way to go about it or the way to raise our kids or the way to actually go after the kingdom to see kingdom come down to earth. He showed us in the way of simply taking time to go into the presence of God to find out what God thinks about your situation, hello? Find out what God thinks about your situation to come back and to display it to the world. The key, guys, the key that I want to get across to you is the secret to having that successful life, the secret to actually seeing a fulfilled life, to seeing lies be abolished in your life is what it looks like to step into the presence of God and to not leave, to never leave that place. I had teenagers come to me and they, they're like, hey, I don't understand what it looks like to have that conversation with God because I feel like I can only go to him when it's a time of need, when it's a time of crisis, and then I leave that place not having an answer or feeling empty. And I looked at them and I said, I talk to God everywhere. I talk to God all the time. My communion with God is never ceasing. The word says that we are constantly in prayer, that our spirits never cease. Guys, I want us to be a people, sons and daughters, that can learn to commune with the Father in spirit and in truth in every way and to never leave that place on a day-to-day -day basis because I'm telling you, it is happening in base camp in a beautiful way and I do not want you guys to miss it. The children in that wing are being transformed. 
And what I feel like the Lord is saying so clearly is he wants you guys to run alongside them in a beautiful, powerful way to grab hand in hand and to actually see the kingdom come to earth. And that looks like dwelling. That looks like staying. That looks like never ceasing the presence and communion with your father. To have that open line of communication saying, you are a good father, not a distant deity that I can't speak to unless I have a situation that is dire and in need. I know I can call my father about anything because he's displayed that for me. And I hope tonight you leave knowing that the answer you are seeking right now in your situation, whatever it looks like, the answer you are seeking is found in his presence and in his voice. And he is simply waiting for you to come and dwell, not to come and visit. Amen. He who dwells in the secret place, he who dwells in the secret place. I really feel like God is going to change something tonight for you. That he actually wants to open your eyes to a reality that is not seen very much. He wants you guys to know that you can go throughout high school finding your father and not looking at situations that are around you. He wants you to know that you can go through your day even when there's turmoil, even when there's separation between your spouse. I know that. I know that struggle. When there's that fight, when there's that tension, he wants you to know you can come to him and dwell in that place and find peace, find joy, and find love that you could not come up with on your own. You cannot just create by yourself, that God is the creator, that he has actually designed you to be in his presence and find the fullness of joy. I don't have a long message tonight, but I have a message that I feel like can change your life if you let it. What does it look like for you to not go through life doing the nine to five and not spending the time that you need on a day-to-day -day basis, not just in the morning. Because a lot of times, I feel like people have the misconception that they only spend time with God in the morning or at night when they have a few hours and then they leave and do their day. Guys, I think that that is false. I don't think that that's our Father. I truly believe that He actually wants to dwell with you at your job. He wants you to dwell with Him in school. He wants you to dwell in every area of life so that you have answers, you have fullness, that you have the fruits of the Spirit. Hello. Sometimes I can use a little bit more self-control, and that's not found through works. That's not found through me finding the right book. It's simply spending time with the person that has created the gifts, not going after the gifts, but spending time with the gift giver. I just want to pray. I want to pray for Holy Spirit to come. I want to pray that your situation can change and that your perspective of God, whether it is beautiful or whether it is sometimes lacking, that it will be so encouraged by his face tonight.
that everything will change for you tonight, that you can leave this place running alongside us, going after God, and being passionate lovers of Jesus. So close your eyes for me and open up your hearts just for a moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you for who you are. Holy Ghost, we just invite you in this place right now. We invite you to come and to teach us what it looks like to dwell. To inhabit your presence, to stay and to remain, not to leave because of circumstances or because of devastation or because of disappointment, but to dwell in your presence all the days of our life until we see you face to face because it is worth it and it is changing of every situation. It changes our lives, it changes our perspectives, it changes our hearts. God, I pray you would teach us right now. That just as Zach said, God, that we would have childlike faith in this place because we know that you got us. We know that you'll take care of us. That we don't just go and do church, but we become the church. That we are walking encounters with you because we are encountering you every second of every day. That when people see us, they see Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill us right now. Come and fill our hearts. Come and fill our spirits. Come and fill us to overflow. Come and teach us to stay, to remain. Lord, I pray that we will not be visitors of your presence. But that we will dwell in the secret place of the Most High. wait a moment longer on him. Just wait a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're going to play one more song. We're going to go back into worship just a little bit longer. And this is an opportunity for you to learn what it looks like to dwell. This is an opportunity to lay everything to the side and just spend time with your father. Because, guys, tonight, I believe... I really do, that God wants to encounter you, that he wants to change the way that you see him, and that he wants to walk out those doors with you in an entire new light. So I'm going to invite you just to stand with me right now. I feel like tonight that there is, there's, there's this lie that something can hold you back, 
there's a lie that's saying there's no hope. I don't know about you, but Colorado should not be the place with one of the highest suicide rates. It's not okay. The prophetic destiny over Colorado is that it is a place of life and life more abundantly. And that we have a role to play in that. We have a role in to play, to display Jesus to people. But we cannot display what we do not know and what do we, we have not spent time with. We cannot display that unless we learn to dwell. Just like I said before during worship, it is not possible for fear and perfect love to coexist. It is not possible for depression and suicidal thoughts to coexist with the face of Jesus. It is not possible for fear of finances and fear of relationship and separation to exist with Jesus right in the midst. It is not possible. And tonight, Jesus wants to change that in your life. I want to invite you to come down to the front, to come down and worship because this is an altar. This is a place of laying everything down. And if you feel like you have something to lay down tonight, if you feel like you want something to change, that you want to be taught by your Father, I encourage you to come down. I'm going to have my student leaders, the crew, and our leaders of base camp to come down to the front to also be an altar ministry team. If you need prayer tonight, if you need a miracle in your body, if you need thought processes to be cast to the side, if you need Jesus to show up in your life tonight, come and get prayer because these are incredible students who have found Jesus and that are operating with Jesus in a mighty way. I can't even tell you how many testimonies we've seen. We're gonna go into this last song. And guys, if you choose to give him everything tonight, if you choose to dwell with him right now, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Come and change us tonight, God. Come and change our hearts. Change our perspectives. Change the everyday. Change our norm. Come and break down the barriers and the walls. Jesus, we need you in this place. We are hungry for more of you. We are hungry for more of you.